Welcome to Wolverine Reads, a theatrical podcast celebrating new plays. I'm Nathaniel Quinn, producing director of Wolverine Theatrics. Previously on Wolverine Reads, after Judge Collins refused to allow Davis Knight's induction, service, and honorable discharge with the U.S. Navy, the defense finally seemed to gain some ground through the testimony from Dr. Stringer, who was able to shed some light on several key elements of the case. He had knowledge of Rachel's gravesite as well as gravestone rubbings that include her birth and death dates. In addition, he had first-hand knowledge of several other family members as their doctor, indicating they appeared to be Indian and had long, straight hair. However, thanks to Valentine's earlier testimony and Stringer not physically attending Rachel's funeral, the Rachel buried in the night cemetery is drawn into question. Will Stringer's testimony, combined with Thomas Knight's clarifying knowledge of his family tree, be enough to help Ross succeed? Let us return to the courtroom to hear the final few testimonies of the case, as well as the final verdict. Once again, we would like to remind listeners that this court case is historically accurate and contains racially charged language. Let's continue with the conclusion of the State of Mississippi v. Davis Knight, excavated by Victoria E. Bynum and processed and dramatized by Marcus J. France. The defense calls Ellen Knight. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Uh-huh. What is your name? Ellen Knight. And what kin are you to my client, Davis Knight? His grandmother. How does that come about? What kin are you to his mother? (laughs) I am her mother. (laughs) Where were you born and raised? In Smith County. What was your name before you were married? Ella Knight. How old were you when you came to... (laughs) Do you live in Jones or Jasper County? Jasper County. How old were you when you came to Jasper County? About 10 years old. And how old are you now? Sixty-eight. Do you remember the woman named Rachel Knight? Mm-mm. No, sir, I do not. I never did see her. I've lived in the same place up there since you were about ten years old. Yes, sir. Did you ever go to school? Uh, yes, sir. I went to the private school in our settlement. Did you ever go to Negro school? No, sir. Did any of your people go to Negro no, school? No, sir. Or to Negro church? No, sir. Or associate with Negroes as Negroes? No, sir. Are you a Negro? No, sir. Uh, And you are Davis Knight's grandmother? Yes, sir. That's all. You never went to white school either, did you? I went to a private school with my own kind of people. They had a private school for your kind of people. That's right. Mistress Anna's school. Best school in Mississippi. Better even than Ole Miss. In other words, you don't associate with colored people nor white people. Just among yourselves. Our own selves. You have your own church and your own school. And you've never attended a white school nor a Negro school or a Negro church. No, sir. Never have. You live in Smith County? Yes, sir. Who is your husband? Henry Knight was my first husband. Huh. Henry Knight was my first husband. Your first husband? You were all divorced? (laughs) Yes, sir. And you were married again? Yes, sir, to Jeff Knight. Then you were married to Arthur's father? Yes, sir. Uh Uh-huh. 
Well, Otho and Fanny were sisters. No, Jeff and Fanny were oh, sisters. No, that's that's what I meant to say. Jeff and Fanny were brother and sister. Yes. And sir. you divorced your husband, or he divorced you, then you married your husband's Uncle. Married your husband's uncle. Yes, sir. Jeff Knight. So you knew him? <laughs> yes, sir. From the time I was 10 years old when we moved to Jasper County, I knew him right on. I lived within a quarter mile of him right on out. I married him in 1917, and he died in 1932. Did Dr. Stringer visit your home professionally? Yes, sir. Did you keep Negro servants? No, sir. You did your work yourself? Yes, sir. Never hired Negro servants to do your housework? No, sir. That's all. Do you remember the occasion when Arthur Knight's mother died? Yes, sir. Were you there? Yes, sir. What doctors attended her the day she died? Dr. Stringer. Do you remember who all was there that day? Well, yes, sir. Arthur was there and her sister, Jeff's wife's sister, Corey, and his daughter and Dr. Stringer and Dr. Williamson of Soso. Do you know where Rachel Knight is buried? Yes, sir. I know where she's buried. Where? Up above where I live. About, I reckon it's a mile. And do you know whose land that is now? Mr. Moss. Do you know where Newt Knight is buried? Yes, sir. Right in the same cemetery as Rachel. That's all. Do you know where Retha, I believe it is Retha Knight, Newt's white wife is buried? Well, I don't know myself. I, I heard she's buried at Matthew's Cemetery. Matthew's Cemetery? Yes, sir. She is not buried in the same cemetery as Newt? No, sir. You were there the day Arthur's mother died? <gasps> yes, sir. Were there any niggers there that day? No, sir. You sure about that? Uh, right, sure. Don't you know there were some there that were servants? They prepared the meals and ate at a different table from where you folks ate. No, sir. You sure about that? There was not no Negroes there. And everybody ate at the same table? Yes, sir. That's all. The witness is excused. The defense calls Mr. W.W. W. Jackson. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. The witness may be seated. How old are you, Mr. Jackson? I just lack a little bit of being 74. Now, Mr. Jackson, these jurors can see you, but for the record, are you a white man? Yes, sir. Do you know Dr. Stringer? Yes, sir. Is he a white man or a Negro? He's a white man. I ask merely that the record will show it. Where were you born and raised, Mr. Jackson? Well, I was born near service in Jones County. I was raised near service, near... Near Old Union Church. Where are you living now? Well, I'm living in Bay Springs now. And how long have you lived up there? Oh, two, three years. I see. When you were a boy coming up, did you know a woman named Rachel Knight? Yes, sir. How far from her did you live? Well, at the time, I lived about seven or eight miles from her. What occasion did you have to see Rachel? Well, I saw her at preaching. Well, they'd come out to the church, well, the old Union Church. They used to come out there a long time ago well, to hear the preacher. 
They'd come sit on the back seats there. My father was a member of the church there. Well, did you see her more than once? Uh, yes, sir. Frequently? Well, it wasn't so very often. Sometimes once a month. Sometimes longer stretches. And you know where she's buried? Well, I couldn't find it now. For the life of me, it's all overgrown. Well, do you know where she is generally reputed to be buried? (laughs) Yes, sir. At the Knight's Graveyard. Well, that's what I call it. Have you ever been to that graveyard? Yes, sir. And do you know where Newt Knight is buried? (laughs) Yes, sir. Where is he buried in reference to where Rachel is buried? Well, not far. I mean, they're in the same cemetery. I see. What has been the occasion for your going down there? Well, I don't know what caused me to go there the first time. I was just a boy traveling over the woods hunting hickory nuts, and I saw the cemetery. Have you been there since you were a boy? Yes, not long ago. Are there tombstones in there? Yes, sir. Is there one with Rachel Knight's name on it? Yes, sir, there is. Now, if Rachel Knight died in 1889... You would have been about 14 years old. Uh Uh-huh. Do you remember what she looked like? Yes, sir. She was a dark-skinned woman. Was she Negro? I wouldn't call her a Negro. Oh, she wasn't a black Negro. Oh, she could have been mixed. Do you remember her hair? Uh Uh-huh. Was it kinky? No. What about her color? Well, she was a ginger-caked color. Have you lived all of your 74 years here in Mississippi? Yes, sir. Simply by looking... Can you distinguish a full-blooded Negro from a part Negro? I sure can. Was Rachel a full-blooded Negro? No. That's all. What part Negro would you say she was? We object to that. No person is capable of answering that question. He can give his opinion. I would say that she was half and half. Would you say maybe she was no part Negro and partly Indian and partly Creole? Well, the color would stand for that. Sir? I say the color would stand for that. She was about the color of a Choctaw Indian. May she have been part Choctaw Indian? Yes, sir. And may she have been half Negro? Yes, sir. Given your experience in determining such matters, you are not so positive that you can distinguish whether she's a Negro or a Choctaw Indian. She didn't have the kinky hair. Did she have a Negro nose? No, sir. Did she have Negro lips? No. Why did you say she had the appearance of being a Negro or judged her to be half Negro? On what did you base that? I don't remember saying that. Well, I asked you what percentage of Negro blood she had. You answered that she may have been half and half. Yet now you tell the jury you don't know whether she had any at all. Yes, sir. Is that what you tell the jury? Uh Uh-huh. And you base that on her hair? Uh Uh-huh. Stand aside. Well, witness is excused. The defense rests. The state rests. The court instructs the jury that you do not have to know that the defendant is guilty before you would be warranted in convicting him. All that the law requires is that you must believe him to be guilty as charged from the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. If you believe beyond a reasonable doubt that Davis Knight is the great-grandson of Rachel Knight and you further believe that the said Rachel Knight was a full-blooded nigra, then the defendant would have one-eighth nigra blood and under the laws of the state of Mississippi would be prohibited from marrying a white woman. Even though you may believe that the defendant is part Negro or that has some Negro blood, unless the evidence convinces you to a moral certainty that he is at least one-eighth Negro, then your verdict will be not guilty.
If you believe that Davis Knight, being a Negro or mulatto male person with one-eighth or more Negro blood, did on or about April the 18th, 1946, willfully, feloniously, and unlawfully marry Junie Lee Spradley, a white female person, then it is your sworn duty to find the defendant is a Negro, descended directly from pure South African antecedents, then you will find him not guilty. Further, unless you believe beyond all reasonable doubt that the wife of the defendant is a white woman, then you will acquit the defendant. Unless you believe to a moral certainty that Rachel Knight was a full-blood Negro, you will acquit this defendant. Further, under the laws of this state, the defendant is presumed to be innocent. The defendant is not called upon by the law to establish his innocence unless the state has completely obliterated this presumption of innocence by clear, positive, and convincing proof of guilt. Then you will find the defendant not guilty. The law does not authorize you to go out of the record to find justification for conviction of this defendant. You are authorized to consider only the evidence given by the witnesses and the instructions of this court. We ask the court to instruct the jury that a mulatto is defined as being the first generation offspring of a Negro and a white person. Refused. We ask the court to instruct the jury to find the defendant not guilty. Refused. This won't take long. Are there any attorneys in the audience? This court is an incestuous breeding ground for an appeal. Are you feeling me? One, the court erred in overruling the demurrer to the indictment. Two, the verdict is contrary to the evidence. Three, the verdict is against the overwhelming weight of the evidence. Four, the court erred in refusing the peremptory instruction requested by the defendant. And five, the court erred in refusing each and every instruction requested by the defendant. Six, the court erred in granting each and every instruction granted by the state. Seven, the court erred in excluding certain evidence offered by the defendant. The court erred in admitting certain evidence over the objection of the defendant. Anybody have anything to add? The defendant will stand. How does the jury find the defendant? We, the jury, find the defendant guilty as charged. A jury of good and lawful men composed of A.I. Welch and 11 others, regularly impaneled and sworn, render a verdict of guilty. The court orders that the defendant, Davis Knight, is hereby sentenced to serve five years in the state penitentiary at Parchment. It is further ordered that the defendant stand committed until said term is served in full. The defendant moves the court to set aside the verdict of the jury and the judgment thereon and grant him a new trial for an additional reason that the statute under which the defendant was tried and convicted is unconstitutional. Overruled. It took nearly a year, but high court in Jackson in the person of Associated Justice Malcolm B. Montgomery reversed the verdict of the Jones County Court but on the narrowest grounds possible. The constitutionality of the miscegenation law was not tested. The court simply agreed with the assertion that the DA had not proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Davis Knight had one-eighth or more Negro blood. The high court proclaimed my client a white man. The one-drop rule, the extrajudicial standard of the racist yahoos, was explicitly rejected. Justice Montgomery was hanged in effigy somewhere in Mississippi. In 1963, Justice Montgomery wrote the governor proclamation closing the Ole Miss Law School rather than admit Cleveland McDonald, a Negro. Irony, irony, 
Irony. Are you ready for one more? In 1960, Davis Knight's sister, Lavinia, depending upon the Mississippi High Court's assertion of her brother's whiteness, attempted to enroll her children in a white school. She opposed the integration, did not want her children educated with the darkies. The community, of course, had never abandoned the one-drop rule. They classed her children as Negro and resisted with every fiber of their being the acceptance of those children into their school. The West Jesper County School Board, fearing white supremacist violence, refused to admit her boys. The Mississippi State Sovereignty Commission, only in Mississippi could there ever be such a commission, tried to mediate. The horn of the dilemma, are, are you feeling me, was this. The high court, by proclaiming Davis Knight white, by logical extension, had proclaimed Lavinia white, her children, fathered by a white man, obviously were white. If the racists in the community succeeded in forcing her children into a Negro pub school, the evil of all evils, integration would be achieved. So the Sovereignty Commission supported the admission of white Negroes into the white school in a last-ditch effort to prevent integration. <laughs> Sounds like a sequel to this play, doesn't it? Thank you for joining us for the State of Mississippi vs. Davis Knight, excavated by Victoria E. Bynum, processed and dramatized by Marcus J. France, featuring the voice talents of Jason Pasqua, Keith Howes, Justin Glover, Mason Quinn, Dan Muth, Sarah Foreman, Amy Woods, David Weigand, Kent Sugg, Elliot Clough, Phil Foreman, Hugh Butterfield, Francis Leary, Lenny Scoville, David Harlan, Benjamin Gonzalez, Allison Quaggenharken and Chris Will. Directed by Nathaniel Quinn, with sound design by Kyle Harper and original music by Scott Hurst. If you've been enjoying our content, please head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash Wolverine Reads and consider becoming a patron. We are passionate about creating and celebrating new theater. Becoming a patron helps us to continue creating and improving our craft. And from all of us at Wolverine Theatrics, thank you for listening, liking, and sharing.